Hey guys, Fayon here, back for another episode of The Passive Hang, we're at number 11. And today I'm completing the Lanan double with Nathan Lanan, who is related to the previous episode, Jackson Lanan. And I thought it'd be really interesting to get him on board because their journeys are quite interlinked together. But also, I wanted to get Nathan on because of his recent updates on Instagram as well. So recently, he went through a challenge called 75 Hard, which is 75 days straight of several activities that you commit to. And Nathan put it out there. He showed the work and I saw him do the work for those 75 days straight. And I wanted to get some insight into the learnings and the shifts in his mindset that he gained from the process. In a way, I see Nathan's journey as similar to mine coming across Ido's work and then trying to find a way to learn all this stuff, all this interesting stuff that he wanted to get stuck into. And Nathan has been able to find really great teachers. He's been able to surround himself with peers and coaches which can guide him on this journey. And so he shares a little bit about that process and how he goes about finding these right people to guide him. In a time where I think A lot of people are paying out on social media about, you know, the drawbacks, the negatives. I think Nathan really uses the tool in a positive way. He uses it to reach out. He uses it to connect with people, which let's face it, probably without social media, we would have no idea they they could exist. And so just by sending that message, reaching out, asking for help, you can start yourself down on this path that before social media would never have been possible. So it was a pleasure sitting down with Nathan, having this chat. Hope you guys enjoy this as well. This is episode 11. My name's Fayon. This is The Passive Hang. And here we go. Welcome to my little podcast. Welcome to The Passive Hang. So this is just like, yeah, a little space where we have some conversations. I like to link up with fellow movers, especially around in Australia and just find out a bit more about personal story, you know, insights from your practice, a bit about your background, what you do, and just take it from there. So yeah, I guess this week I have Nathan, do I say Lanan as well? Yeah, mate, you've nailed it. (laughs) So previously I had Jackson on. So I mean, maybe do you want to start, like what's the, is there a relation there between you two? Yeah, that's uh. My cousin. Jackson's okay. my cousin, yeah. So did you guys grow up in the same town? Uh, no, we didn't. I sort of grew up in southeast Queensland in Withcott, Toowoomba area, and then eventually moved on to Brisbane. But yeah, our families are all, we're all pretty tight. So every year for Christmas, we head back to uh, where he's from, Gunnedah. So mm-hmm. that small country town you mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, yeah, in, in your last episode, um, yeah, we're always, always there for Christmas. So him and I are pretty tight. So I have to ask, like, who was the one who started getting into all this movement stuff? Him or you? <laughs> uh, mate, yeah, I was uh, heavily influenced from him. So he definitely found that video of Edo of, uh, training, and yeah. I think we, it was the Movement X workshop. We both went to that and like that, that was the beginning of the end pretty much down this long rabbit hole that is the movement culture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny like that, right? It really just, I think at that time as well, 
you know, when you first saw this footage, it was just really captivating. But um, yeah, I guess uh, rewinding from all that, I guess personally for yourself, maybe do you just want to give a bit of background as to, yeah, who you are and um, what you do? Yep, so uh, my name's Nathan Lenan. I'm a trainer here in Sydney. So I guess how I got here in terms of getting involved in the whole fitness side of things, movement side of like the culture, like from a very young age, uh, I was heavily involved in sports. Parents had me and my brother enrolled in anything you can think of. We did swimming, uh, rugby league, rugby union, soccer, tennis, uh, martial arts. Look, we had, my brother and I had our black, one level above black belt before um, I went into high school. <laughs> oh, wow. So hmm. that, that was um, a really big, like now looking back on it, how much it's had a massive impact for me in my life. Like just the, uh, I guess the uh, accountability and the discipline that you get from something like that for that many years, like it's really stuck with me. So hmm. um, was yeah. that something like Did your that? parents were very, into physical cultures themselves and and that's where it flowed from uh i guess so a little bit dad was uh very active like he was a pretty good footballer back in his day and uh much to his credit like my brother and i hated <laughs> going to martial arts mm. uh it was really, really tough and really annoying but we didn't have a choice and he did say one day you'll thank me for this. And you know, it's all these years later and we've, we've definitely been uh, reaping the benefits of it. So we have had to mm. thank him for that. But uh, yeah, that, that was just something I guess I remember distinctly from childhood, just, you know, health was definitely prioritized quite a bit in our family. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that, especially when you reflect on it, when you grow older, I think that's when you get this greater appreciation, right? Like when you're a kid, sometimes, sometimes going to training is like really cool and fun. And then something, sometimes going to training really sucks as well. I, I remember uh, going to swimming training, especially after a while, like 5am in the mornings. And we trained in like an outdoor pool as well. I was like, you know, a couple of years of that, I was like, what's the point? Like, this is just yeah. pain. <laughs> <laughs> it gets tough particularly swimming I, I went through that exact same episode mm. as well you, you definitely get sick of it at one point but mm. as you reflect and as you said like definitely benefits there that still carry on to this day so, so take a weekend right <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned like you did quite a few things um was there one point when you started kind of specializing or concentrating on one sport uh, rugby union was definitely the concentrating factor. So uh, growing up in Toowoomba, if you played rugby, you either went to Downlands College or Toowoomba Grammar School. I went to Downlands College and they were basically the rival school for us. Um, yeah, me and the mates that I have and still have today, uh, rugby was like, you lived and breathed it. And then it was awesome. Like, you know, every Saturday we'd be on the bus down to Brisbane to verse all the uh, other GPS schools on their by. And yeah, it took a real liking to that, the physicality, the challenge of it. Yeah. The, the, main, the main thing for it was just the constant challenge of rugby. That's what uh, sort of made me want to keep trying at it. And 
like I did eventually end up doing quite well at one point. So, you know, through year 12, managed to uh, represent the state, played for Queensland. We ended up winning the title, which is mm. awesome. And then that led me to moving down to Brizzy to play footy as well. And then, yeah, eventually getting a, a crack at first grade down here in uh, Sydney in Shoot Shield. So that was a pretty special moment for me. Took a good seven years to get there, but got mm. there eventually. So it was really via rugby that's led to your movements now from Toowoomba down to Sydney. Yeah. So, I mean, what was I doing? Like back in Brisbane, like, you know, I've pretty lucky start, I guess. Like it was, I think 2012, me moving to Brisbane. So I think in terms of getting to the whole movement culture side of things, I was first exposed to like the fitness industry a bit when it was in year 10 work experience week, I actually mm. went down to Brisbane to uh, work with Jackson for the week. So that's that cool. was my first, like, yeah, that was like my first time. I was like, this is sick. Like I could get into this awesome lifestyle and everything. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so he was working for Brad Shepherd at the time with peak physique. And then yeah, in 2012, when I uh, got qualified, I'd, I'd been living in Brisbane for about, 12 months at the time and I was ready mm-hmm. to sort of step into that realm and uh yeah he put me in contact with Brad so like him I started with Brad for a year and then I was moved over to, and worked with him for worked with um Jackson for three years mm-hmm. and then after that I as much as I love working for Jacko and got so much out of that I was starting to get to the point where I wanted to have a bit of a crack on my own so mm-hmm. Met an incredible lady uh, that I'm still with, luckily. (laughs) And she was in Sydney. So I figured, hey, maybe this might be a good opportunity to sort of check out the Sydney side of things. So Mm -hmm. I moved down here, uh, got a job with Shane DaCosta at Miyagi Fitness in uh, Fitness First and Bond Street. So I was working with him for 12 months. And then after that, I was uh, 20. I think it started early 2018. I decided to go out on my own mm-hmm. and yeah, so doing animal fitness, just been working in there ever since and linked up with uh, Vic Hawksley in uh, 2019. So it's, it's been a pretty good run so far. Yeah. It seems like you've been involved with quite a few different institutions with quite a few different well-known coaches as, as well. Um, it sounds like a really interesting journey. Like during that whole period, so you were also like kind of playing rugby professionally and then also working as a PT at the same time. Yeah. And <laughs> probably not the smartest thing to be doing. Cause, uh, if you're injured, you're pretty useless as a PT. So mm. it definitely did get to that point. Uh, when I did move down to Sydney that I kind of had to choose uh, my career over what turned into a bit more of a hobby, I guess. So I, it's been a few years since I've been on the rugby field. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it definitely got a lot out of it. <laughs> also a lot of, uh, injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I guess rugby is one of those really interesting ones, right? Like for me as an outsider looking into rugby, it's one of those sports, which just sound, sounds really crazy as well, right? Like run really fast into like other people, try and like smash into them. It sounds like a recipe for disaster, <laughs> but I'm guessing from your side, there's like nothing else quite like it. 
Yeah, I, like you, you definitely do go through that period of, you know, completely love it, have not many other desires type thing. Like you'd happily play on a barren wasteland because you enjoy it so much. And then as you start to get older, you start to second guess yourself a bit like, ah, don't really want to play on this or yeah, the motivation starts to wane a little bit and you start to think about life outside of footy. So that's, mm. that's what happened to me. And was that also compounded with maybe the stuff that you're learning through either one, your work as a fitness trainer, and then also through the movement culture, you were starting to go, ah, oh, maybe this isn't so good for my, my body and my health. Not so much wasn't good for my body or for my health, but I mean, yeah, like my, my body was taking a bit of a beating. So had a shoulder reconstruction, fractured arm, fractured hip, fractured ankle, sprained ankle. I've definitely been through the ringer of injuries over the years mm. with footy. Um, but that's also been, I guess, slight blessings in disguise, which mm. has led me to learn how the body works, how to rehabilitate certain injuries and stuff like that, mm. which has helped sort of add another uh, thread to the bow in my practice, really. Yeah, I think that's a common thread that I've um, seen with a lot of people that I've had here on this podcast and then myself as well, that through injury and pain, that is like one of the most powerful motivators to actually get you outside of your own bubble of your, your thinking to go and seek for further answers. That's definitely been something that I've seen with a lot of people. Yeah, massively. So that sort of, I got to that point where I wasn't, my, my training had sort of halted a little bit because I was getting uh, set up in Sydney and then I was really interested in sort of re-engaging it in like the more movement-based style of training and you know, that's how I came across uh, Harry Williams on Instagram. So mm-hmm. hit him up for some coaching and yeah, I got some unreal results with him, like just his uh, straightforward nature, like no bullshit approach. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he has a lot of integrity, like actually walks the walk. Like there's a lot of people out there, as, as you were probably aware of on our social media, that are quite happy just to make a quick buck here and there without much uh, regard for who they're serving. So, mm. yeah, he was, a, he was a breath of fresh air in that sense. So I had a pretty good um, experience with Harry. Um, and then, yeah, given all the battered injuries I had with rugby, mm. I started to see a bit of back and forth between Harry and uh, Yohim. Mm. and I was like hmm, maybe I could incorporate some of his stuff as well with uh, my injuries so then I hit up uh, Yohim for some training learned a lot got a lot out of that guy which was really cool maybe um, do you just want to for the for the listeners as well just explain yeah. who, who that is uh, Yohim J Ras mm-hmm. so he's basically in my eyes a bit of a mobility maestro uh, Probably one of the big things I took away from him was his overcoming isometrics uh, method. So just to help in, in crew, improve uh, like joint integrity and build up like your yeah, end range strength. Mm. It's been pretty pretty good for my um, shoulders actually. Mm. Yeah, I'm guessing with all those um, injuries from before as well, you'd 
you have to put in like a lot more work as well around all this stuff because in my experience as well, they keep on coming back to haunt you and manifest in all these weird, weird and wonderful ways, especially if you want to get deeper into like body weight strength as well. Like these always kind of inhibit you in some way. I know, right? How weird is the human body? It can develop a brand new human in nine months, but you injure your ankle once and it's screwed for life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What gives? (laughs) It's it's a funny thing like that, isn't it? Frust- frustrating, but maybe it also because it's it's supposed to serve as a powerful lesson for us. Maybe you know, ongoing for life. That hey, we like we did some damage there, and we need to not just yeah. set and forget, but do something about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess during you know your rugby days and then the fit, uh you know, fitness training and then also finding the movement culture. How, how was your training looking like during all this period? How, how did you sort of integrate between the two? And then, then you've um, said a little bit about this recent shift, but, you know, you mentioned also that you found Edo quite early on through the movement X sort of stuff. So did you jump straight into that sort of training at that time or did it take a while before you started shifting towards that style? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so Jacko and I, we went to Edo's Movement X workshop, blown away, complete paradigm shift. Uh, made me question everything I'd been doing previously in uh, the lead up to that. So, you know, coming from the rugby ground, it's all your big compound exercises, you know, lift weights, hit numbers, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, you know, I'd never been exposed to that. So blew, blew me away and we got started on that probably a few weeks after the workshop. So Jacko um, engaged in some coaching with him. And once he got his program, he sort of made one a bit more tailored to me and where I was at currently. So got through that. um, And I was sort of in between injury and doing like re-engaging in that program on and off Mm. for a year until I moved. And then uh, when I came down to Sydney, it was a bit more conventional based stuff as well as integrating what I had previously done, uh, from Edo's program. Then yeah, found, found Harry and that's how I got into engaging with him and working through his program. So general layout would be, you know, yeah, it's like, it's a lot of volume. Um, and that's what it takes initially, I guess, like doing six, anywhere from six to 10 training sessions in a week. So mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you might be aware of it too. So you'd have like your a mobility session, mobility and skills in the morning, then mm-hmm. you'd have a strength session in the afternoon, rotate through those workouts twice in a week. So, Yeah, I think for like, um, for anyone listening who's like just getting into the movement culture as well, um, that might be a little bit more unknown as well, right? Because sometimes you see mm. all these guys and they're doing all these like amazing feats. And I think even for myself, when you're just like a normal standard kind of like gym goer or you're like, okay, like I work out, it's kind of like, okay, you do like a 30 minute hour session once, once per day or a few times a week. And, and then that's it. You know, you talked a little bit about these paradigm shifts that you experienced after that workshop. Uh, maybe do you want to uh, riff a little bit more about like what sort of really shifted and, in your mind and in your training from the, that initial period to, to now? Guess with that, like it's, 
very, you know, very journalistic you know, fitness, you know, more your bodybuilding style workouts where it's all free weights. Uh, you learn the exercise once you perfect the exercise, what's the progression from there? Lift it heavier. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and I was, you know, f- fully involved with that. Like, you know, squats, deads, bench, like the big movements, do it and do it heavy. So once I'd sort of been doing that for that many years um, and found Edo stuff where, you know, you've got spinal waves hanging, like just a resting squat hold, like all these from the outside in seem really easy to do, but then you actually try it, you know, I actually can't even hold my own body weight on a bar for 15 seconds. Like what's with that? So that again, like brand new challenge, you're starting at the absolute ground level and building up all these brand new, I guess, foundational skill sets that you'd never been exposed to. Like one, just chasing that mastery of your own body is, you know, I'm still trying to do that at the moment, but I think that's what, really engage me in this style of training is because you know you you hit a handstand cool all right can you do it for 30 seconds 60 seconds all right don't get stuck in your handstand what can you do out of the handstand can you do Mm -hmm. handstand push-ups like there's there's levels to this shit like you know one arm handstands that's like insane but the the carryover is huge just into everyday life like i mean we, we, we know you know gym exercises in the gym aren't you know you're not going to be walking along doing walking lunges perfectly in the street, are you? Like, or if you, if you drop a pen on the ground, you know, you're not going to breathe and brace and do a perfect squat to bend down and pick that up. Like you're just going to bend over and pick it up. And people are like blown out their backs and stuff. Cause they're just not, they're not conditioning their spine for the movement of simply bending over and picking up a pen. So mm. like Jefferson curls, you know, you go into some gyms and people look at you like, what are you doing? You're about to break your back. <laughs> it's like, mm. no, no, it's okay. Like your body's meant to be able to move like this. There's nothing wrong with this. It just, yeah, takes, takes time. Like anything. Hey, like I think from the outside looking in, people can sort of brush it off quite, quite quickly. But until you actually give it a crack, like this shit's hard. It takes a lot of effort constantly not not only just in the aspect of physically showing up and doing the work but you've got to be switched on while you're doing the exercise like if you're on the gymnastics rings you know doing whatever routine like it's pretty hard to be thinking monotonously about something else like you've got to be very engaged in the movement consistently with what Mm -hmm. you're doing yeah i think those details is like one of the facets that i've really picked up on before like i like you before was i think there was like a wealth of all this stuff coming out maybe about 10 years ago which was all about like do the big lifts and then you know once you master those yeah the only progression that you should be thinking of is how much more can you do you know you hit a double weight body weight squat and those are good numbers and you should just be aiming to to do more and if you just cover those then all your bases are, are covered but then afterwards either through questioning of your own accord or maybe it might be pain or injury it was injury for me as well that's when like you started asking some questions and things such as like oh yeah like can't even hang on a bar for 15 seconds what's with that kind of then breaks this identity of hey i'm strong 
because I was able to bench that or do that, but actually like, I can't even do this. Like, so what, what's, what's with that? Uh, and at least for me, that was part of that paradigm shift to really, yeah, it really struck down at this identity level to then start asking myself questions of going like, okay, what am I actually really doing here? Because have I just been sold all these lies before I need to find out a better sort of truth? Absolutely. Like, I mean, you look at all these, Dorian Yates is a good example. Mm. Look at him now. He's doing yoga and riding bikes and doing mountain hiking and shit like that. Like, mm. where are all those muscles going? Like, I mean, like, not, not to bash any of those other methods or anything. Like, they've definitely got their place and I still use a lot of those, you know, foundational strength uh, components in a lot of my training still, but it's just mm. in a completely completely different uh, realm of understanding it, I guess. So, you know, mm. using those, those same drills into more bodyweight based stuff and, mm. you know, being able to take it outside of the gym so I can literally just go into the park and, you know, crank out a workout and just use my own body. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's fun too. Like that was one thing for me. Like I started to get so fucking bored just lifting weights like psycho, like, gosh, sick. Like, I got over that to a point, and then you know, found all of this at, at the exact right time, and you know, just reinvigorated my engagement with training. Mm-hmm. And I guess and, that must be a real key portion for you as well, because you're like also teaching this stuff for other people as well, right? Yeah, it's definitely a lot more engaging too, as well. Like, you know, you get you know, particularly a lot of the people that I work with; they're all you know very busy corporates and stuff like that and just being able to educate them how to you know identify identify pain a little bit and work through it but like get more access to the full use of their body Mm -hmm. rather than just let's just lose a bit of weight for you like Mm -hmm. sure that's a nice like weight loss and everything like that's a byproduct of being able to move well Mm -hmm. And I feel the industry definitely does get caught up in everything's just about fucking weight loss. Like there's a bit more to life than just losing a couple of kilos on the scale. Yeah. I guess this brings to, you know, you, you, you're working now as a, as a trainer. Um, like how do you, how do you describe what you do? And like, who do you, who do you aim to help with your work? Time poor, busy corporates that are looking to become more skillful, in a healthier version of themselves. So I guess I, I tackled it from a few different angles, sort of like a bit of a triangle of health, so to call it. So movement, nutrition and well-being. So addressing their, how their sleeping patterns are because some of them, you know, sleep's a very big part of the puzzle that I think is missing a lot for a lot mm. of people. The moment they start to get that under wraps, everything else starts to follow as well. So mm getting them to realize as well, like, you know, half hour workout three times a week. It's not really going to cut the cheese outside of the other, what, 168 hours there are in a week. Mm. So being able to educate people on how to listen to their body, you know, eating nutrient dense foods, like just living better and building better habits. Mm. Like the, cascade effect of focusing on making yourself healthier has a huge ripple effect into other areas of your life. Mm. And through my own experience, that's sort of one thing I've found 
and something I've started to get really passionate about is being able to help other people build these habits themselves and that mm. self-efficacy and accountability. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, the way you describe it with like time poor individuals as well, sort of adds this new layer of challenge for you as well. I mean, I guess everyone has to be mindful of their time, but especially if you're like a really busy person, you've got a lot going on, you know, you've got to address it. You know, what, what do they normally come and say to you when they first need to get help? Is it that they just want to lose weight, those sort of things? Or do they normally, are they normally asking different questions? The guys I'm still working with at the moment, I've actually sort of come up to approach them. I might have seen them doing something and just offered a bit of help and feedback. Mm-hmm. And quite fortunately from there, I guess they've had a lot of trust in me to be able to help them from that. So... Currently, I haven't really had anyone come up to me not realising sort of what I do and what my approach is. They've Mm. sort of been able to look from the outside in with me in my own sessions with clients in the gym. And, yeah, I guess like, you know, curiosity, like anything sparks that first sort of engagement. And then from there, they've been able to learn, grow and be able to do things they never thought they would be able to do, which is uh, extremely rewarding. Mm. I saw in your Instagram as well, sometimes you coach out of, is it a fit, fitness first? Yeah. Fitness first in uh, Bond Street. Yeah. So I guess taking in these sort of elements into, I guess what's traditionally seen as like a, a pretty mainstream sort of place must raise quite a few eyebrows. Yeah. There's a, there's a few guys in there, you know, that have um, some gy- gymnastics backgrounds and stuff like that. So like I was actually pretty blown away when I first got there to see quite a few people practicing handstands i was like sick this is my people like <laughs> uh but i guess as i was there for a bit longer like it's, it's definitely a very small proportion of the member base mm. in there but the, the ones that are in, engaged and willing to learn you know that it, it's awesome to see now like a lot of these mainstream places they've they've all got gymnastics rings set up these days which is great i think mm. and yeah I, I feel like people are starting to I guess wake up to the idea that there's a little bit more to the body than just sort of cranking in a workout here and there. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like I, I feel Brazilian jiu-jitsu's started to take the world by storm again. Like people are just starting to get so much more engaged in some form of movement, whether that's like, you know, boxing or martial arts, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've definitely seen a big change in that. Yeah. I think that's like quite a positive shift, right? Like um, when that, when something like that, which is so complex as well, becomes a lot more popular then to rise to that challenge, then you also have to expand your toolkit, right? Like you can't be addressing, you're not going to squat your way to like become more robust on the jujitsu mat. Are you, you're probably going to have to try, try to do a few different things to prepare yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so one thing that I noticed, uh, that you did quite recently, I, I guess I've been following, you know, your journey for a while. Like, um, there was this thing called 75 hard, this, this challenge, um, you know, you're, you're posting all these photos of your, your progress of, of your body of like what you're eating, that sort of thing. And I was just interested to get a bit deeper into, yeah. What was that challenge all about? And why did you, why did you do that? Okay, so uh, for those that are unaware, so I didn't come up with this. This is a, from a guy I've been following 
for quite a while and I highly rate him and recommend him to everyone. His name's Andy Frisella. And 75 hard is basically a mental toughness challenge. So you're working on what he calls perishable skills. So self-discipline, grit, uh, self-accountability, self-confidence, all things like this. And if you're a follower of David Goggins, that man basically lives and breathes this shit. So, you know, I had to, for, so how it works is it's 75 days straight, no compromise, two 45 minute workouts. One workout must be outdoors, regardless of what the weather's doing. You have to follow a diet, uh, no alcohol, no cheap meals, take a progress picture every day drink a gallon of water. So for us, that was, was 3.8 litres, I think it is. And and 10 pages of a non-fiction book. Mm. And so that was a protocol every day. You had to make sure you hit that. Every day I had to wake up and that, <laughs> that was my to-do list. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, when... You know, you talk about this to most people. That just sounds like really unappealing. I guess what what was the draw card for you? What made you go, "Hey, this is something that I actually really want to try"? For me, those are all qualities that I heavily believe in, and they're still ingrained in me. And I haven't been practicing them to an extent, so I was sort of, you know, I'd come off the a big silly season in December and I was like, right next year, I'm going to pull my finger out and do some work. So, uh, I've been following him for a bit, came across that challenge and I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need and want to do. And it was more to, you know, start living up to the expectations I had of myself and upgrade my identity into that person that I want to become and that I know I can be truly deep down in my heart so Mm. yeah that's what that was uh, the main reason for it Mm. and yeah what kept you going through the the whole process because you know come every new year everyone's got a resolution right like um you know something like that sounds like hey this would be the fix fix for my resolution for maybe like 90 percent of people but that doesn't last so what kept you going all the way through like mindset's everything. Uh, I'm quite fortunate that once I do make the decision to do something, I'll follow it through to the full extent of my ability. And I think as well, um, as you would have noticed, it's got like a, you know, your daily little check off list that you can post at the end of each day. And for me, that was a very powerful motivator to see at the end of each day, like, yes, look what I just achieved today, like, and just bang, mm. post it up. And, you know, that you're publicly doing it as well, putting on putting on your story, everyone's can sort of see progress. And I guess that was another motivating factor as well to make sure that I was going to see it through to the end <laughs> and not fall off the wagon. <laughs> yeah, I think that bit that you touched on about social accountability can be really powerful, right? I think it can be powerful in both negative and a positive way sometimes, you know, if you, uh, like just depending on the way you share, like, and I guess from, from the people around you, but most definitely I found that say 
when I share my practice, that also raises a level of account- accountability and sort of um, harnesses the group energy to keep myself going as well. I found it a really powerful tool. Yeah. Um, and just constantly training, like the first month wasn't too bad. Like getting through to day 40, I was okay. When it, Oh my God. When it was like day, like around day 55 through to 70, I was fuck I wanted to quit <laughs> like it, it, was, it was really tough uh around those periods like god like uh, Friday afternoon workouts that second workout was an absolute challenge uh you know but that was the whole purpose of it like it's not 75 easy like it was meant to be challenging like mm. I definitely got what I wanted to get out of that you know, the, the physical transformation was a byproduct. It was more what happened to me internally and, you know, how I think of myself and the sort of confidence that has grown inside me to be able to do things, you know, and be able to see them through now. Yeah. Did you really feel this uh, like internal shift from where you were from the start to, to the end? And has that continued to, to now as well? yeah like tenfold so you know a typical uh, in, in the morning I'd, I'd wake up i'd have my water have some bone broth get out go do my walk i uh, just sort of crack on through the day and you know even after the 70 di- 75 days had finished that was still my routine for a, a good couple of weeks there like the just the the habit change so like having gone through it, it's been sort of eye-opening for me and it's been able to lead me down this path of what i'm trying to get really crystal clear on and mm. uh being able to instill this into you know other people like i had some other guy message me today and he just said he's starting it and i thought that was awesome mm-hmm. but like the i guess a quote that really jumps out at me um, that I resonate with heaps having done that is from Warren Buffett and it's the, the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. Mm. And like habits are everything like, and this is why I think health is such a a great area to start with because you are in 100% total control of your health. You can take it as far as you want to and, you know, no one's holding your hand to do it. Mm. And it there's it's just so empowering to be able to, you know, upgrade that identity and become that better person that you want to. Like if you're not happy with what you're looking at in the mirror, well, like maybe it's time to do something about that. Start with your health. You'd be surprised at how much that's gonna ripple effect into the other areas of your life. Yeah, I find it quite interesting because I see them operating in um, these these cycles and momentum. So when you're really on and feeling good, you know that momentum can really build, and like nothing can knock you off, right? But then on the opposite side of that, when you start building up bad habits, and sometimes they just start off really little 
small ones and then they just keep on adding up and then it keeps on adding up until you get to this point where like if you feel kind of in desperation, right? Like you're just like, Oh, I've lost that. Like haven't been journaling, haven't been meditating, haven't been working out, haven't done. And I don't really care about anything anymore. I guess what, what's your advice for breaking that cycle? Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely true. Isn't it? You want an easy life. You've got to make uh, hard decisions daily. Mm. If you want a hard life, you just make the easy calls every day. (laughs) Mm. Um, just start so people can get very caught up in in the end goal in mind like i you know weight loss for example i need to lose 10 kilos like all right we'll just start with that let's start on the first kilogram like break it down to something that's bite size and manageable and you can have success by approximations right so don't try and bite off more than you can chew initially. Like I've got to go even like going outside for a walk for an hour. If you know, you're not going to go outside for a walk for an hour. I challenge you to go walk for two minutes. You're going to keep walking after two minutes because you've just gone all that effort. And once the two minute timer hits, I feel like, Oh, I'm here now. I might as well keep going. Like mm. you can, you can dial it back as much as you need to, to at least start doing it. And, for me, like something that's been so powerful, as I said, was like just having that daily checklist and being able to see that progress at the end of each day. Like, try not to break the cycle once you start, and if you do, just start again. Like, the big thing people struggle with that as well is you know you, you need to address the internal dialogue. Like, are you telling yourself you're a healthy person? what's a health, healthy person more likely to do? They're more likely to eat a nutrient-dense, well-balanced diet. They're more likely to drink water, exercise regularly. Like, if you're not telling yourself you're not a healthy person, chasing all these habits and goals are going to be a big challenge. So being able to address that internal dialogue initially is definitely going to help. Mm, I think you touching a really important point there which is that 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 way you view yourself really frames i guess how you're going to manifest your actions as well because yeah if you identify with some of these uh these mentalities then you then you're not going to go on for that walk or you're not going to end up doing that sort of training or making that sort of change because it doesn't fit in with how you picture yourself yeah exactly like yeah, like it's just an empty promise to yourself. Like if you're still going to go out and drink Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you're back to square one Monday, like that's a never ending cycle that, you know, unfortunately most people are in because they're not willing to address that first issue of who do I actually want to be? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. I certainly have, yeah, I remember in my earlier twenties as well. That was kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like this, this cycle, right? <laughs> healthy, healthy Monday yeah. to Friday. And then <laughs> yeah, on the weekends, it's like going backwards. <laughs> We've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. Like, you know, you, you've just got to address it head on. Like, God, you know, I was definitely doing that through my early twenties. No dramas Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, things change, you change, you get better habits. Mm. 
I think what this points to is really like that, that level of commitment that you just have to go through to actually make a change as well. Right. It's like, you know, I'm not going to dip my toes into just trying it a little bit or um, just, just, uh, just checking it out. But, you know, for 75 days, I'm really going to commit to this process to going, Hey, can I, can I seek out these qualities that I value? Mm. And, you know, by any means, like that's something that you can be broken down as well. Start with a week, mm. build it up to two weeks, go to three, go to 30 days. Like that you can, you can make profound changes to yourself in a 30 day period. Mm. If you just stick to the consistent daily requirements of mm. what you're trying to work towards. Don't, yeah. don't focus on the end in mind, focus on laying that, you know, getting through each day and take it as it comes. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly a, a thing I've heard as well from a lot of people is just consistency over time. Like nothing can beat that, you know, especially with this type of training that we're interested in, you know, movement, movement culture, like calisthenics, just keep yourself in the game, keep training and you'll get to wherever you need to go. Uh, I also sometimes have to remind myself of that because you're like, oh, have I made any progress at all? But I guess, then I zoom out again and go, Oh, like, but like I am, I'm still, I'm still here. Like I haven't like injured myself or done anything like that. I'm enjoying it. Like it's all good. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Like, and, and that's the other challenging thing with this stuff too, right? Like it's not exactly as linear as you'd like it to be. Mm. One day you're good. The next day you're down. One day you're feeling like crap and you have an unreal workout. The next mm. day you're good. And have a really bad workout. Like, <laughs> you just got to, uh, Jackson would always say to me, ride the waves. <laughs> in order for there to be lows, mm. in, in order for there to be highs, there must be lows. So mm. you just got to stick with it and keep working through. So one thing I wanted to also touch on is this like process for learning all this stuff as well. So like, um, like you said, like, you know, you went to movement X as a bit of a paradigm shift. Um, you know, you got some coaching as well. How have you approached like learning all this stuff? Because I know a personal challenge for me when I started getting into this sort of thing was I was just like, I was, I was overseas for one. And then at the time, like I couldn't afford like the coaching. So I was just kind of going at it myself, trying to piece things together. And yeah, it was just, really confusing you know it's still to this day there's all these things that i have all these questions but how have you approached that yourself um i think like for me being able to zoom out and address areas that i really want to hone in on so as i've got into the movement culture of it it has become a very holistic uh take on my health so but being able to one, accept I don't know shit and be willing to learn from people that are treading in the path that I'm wanting to take. So like learning from Harry, learning from Yohim, um, like I've delved into a bit of stuff from Chris Kresser, um through the, his course. Um, Dom, Dom Rapson helped me through the 75 hard challenge with uh his nutrition, like just being willing to experiment and try these things. And yeah, like 
for, for me, I've essentially made a bit of a love child of everything and sort of put my own spin on it and just mm. being able to take that, implement it, put it into action and see what those results are like for me to then, you know, with the, that experience, be able to confidently tell my clients or, you know, other people, you know, this is my personal experience. This is how it worked for me. Here's some things to consider or, you know, even try like, you know, people will more than happily churn through all this information and they won't implement it. Mm. Like, What's the point? If you, if you, if you're not going to do anything with that knowledge, move on. Like that, that's probably the big thing is you've just got to start actioning what you're learning as quickly as you can. Yeah. I think that's a really important point because like you can read all the stuff that you want as well. Like you can read so much like in so quickly as well, but then until you actually try and apply that knowledge to a certain situation, then it's kind of very limited as well. I think your scope of understanding. So, but that, it takes a bit of a leap of faith as well. I find sometimes to actually then seek out that person, trust what they're saying and then do it yourself as well. Like I certainly have fallen into the trap of going, uh, you know, is this really the thing? Is that like, should I really do that? Like, yeah, what goes through your head to actually go, oh, no, I'm going to commit, do it. My, my own curiosity is the starting point for everything, but you know, having trust in the person you're learning from and trust in the process mm. like not not by any means follow blindly but if you've got a question ask it like there's nothing wrong with asking questions like asking questions allows not only them to explain it in a different manner that might be able to hit and resonate with you but then by increasing your own understanding of it, you can then explain that even better. Like, mm. yeah, that, that, that to me is probably served true quite a bit. Like not understanding something like, God, the, the amount of times that's happened. And then you just, you know, get over that fear of like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? But then, you know, could take a, a different explanation of the same thing. And you're like, Oh yeah, no, I get that now. Mm. And what's your process for kind of like seeking out who to put trust in, right? Because you know you log on to Instagram now, like there's heaps of people just saying all this stuff as well, right? It's like it's quite confusing. Like, how did you end up, you know, going like, oh, like Harry is the guy, or Joachim is the guy, or Dom is the guy? Like, what 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 goes in through your process to then go, okay, like these are the guys who I'm going to trust to then trust their process. Um, yeah. So doing your due diligence is big. Obviously in uh, this space, there are a lot of people out there that definitely have access to that same information. But again, like in terms of my own belief system of, who's actually doing the work, mm. who's living it, who's breathing it, who's doing that stuff daily, consistently. And, you know, it's quite easy to get a screenshot of a handstand versus you, you can't, <laughs> you can't cheat a video. Mm. So like 
you know, Harry was doing one arm handstands, heaps, like Yohim and his crazy mobility stuff. Dom's always looking like strong and fit and healthy. Like these are qualities that I'm looking to expand in myself and go <laughs> go deeper down there, those rabbit holes. So mm. as long as they're actually leading from the forefront, like it gives me the you know, trust instantly, I guess, if they're actually doing what they're talking about and what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like how you termed it. It's like you, like, do they possess these qualities that you yourself want, want to learn? And are they, are they breathing this day in, day out? Um, that's a, a big, big qualifying, uh, question that like you should ask before maybe jumping the gun into any of these um in any of these teachers absolutely if they can't do it themselves walk the other way <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen I've, I've seen that too often unfortunately mm, mm. people are getting burned in that sense but yeah and how do you go about juggling like multiple teachers or like you're saying you're getting training from one and then the other. Um, I guess, you know, maybe a question that I have from myself as well is, yeah. Do you end up with like quite a lot of different sets of work, which can get quite hectic to try and manage? Uh, yeah, that, that definitely did happen for me in terms of, I guess, chasing too many rabbits at once. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anywhere. Um, and, you know, that, that was something I guess I had to learn the hard way a little bit. So I was doing, uh, still working through Harry's stuff and then trying to work through Yohim stuff as well. And the volume of that was just overwhelming. So for me, that, you know, again, that experience has led me to apply myself to one thing at a time. But by... Choosing one sort of focus, right? So, yeah, you, you don't need to worry about external pressures that aren't putting into that one thing. Mm. So, if if you're focusing solely on hand balancing, it, it's going to be quite easy to get through it, right? But I guess where that's where Harry's been really good is you know incorporating like strength and handstands and stuff. What what I've done has you know I've I've tried to make a bit of a love child of it, so I'm not getting overwhelmed with all the demands of it um, and it's come through uh, having gone through that uh, 75 hard, you know, everyone worries a little bit about overtraining that, you know, yes, it was tough getting through that, but you can work around it. Right. So just being able to listen to your body and understand what the requirements of it might be on the day. Like also not getting confined to a seven, a seven day uh, training week. Like, Mm. If you're doing something on Monday and you've got to do that same workout again, say, you know, Tuesday on Wednesday and like, you're not feeling up to it. Like prolong that, prolong that next session by another day or two, if needed, like it it is, you know, that's another easy thing to get stuck up in is like, Oh, I've got to get all these workouts fit in, in Mm. X days. Like there's, there's going to be no loss of, uh, improvements if you just delay a workout by a day 
Mm. Like listen to your body. It's pretty intuitive and knows what it needs and wants. Like if you need to rest another day, no, no dramas in doing that. So I have to laugh about that one because I've definitely fallen into that trap because you know, you play all these mind games with yourself sometimes, especially when you set up like a, a routine. And for some, for some reason, routines are normally always split in weekly blocks, right? <laughs> That's like yeah. the golden rule. And then when you're confined by that weekly routine, then it's like, oh, what happens if I do miss a session? That is like, then I, do I do the next session or do I just push everything back? But then I'm back by everything and then it just ruins everything. <laughs> yeah, do I need to catch up? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I like I've, how I've definitely fallen. I've definitely fallen uh, victim to that as well. But and I've liked that you've answered that, which is just like it's fine if you just push everything back by like a day or even two days. Like it's okay. Like I think sometimes yeah, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I've got to reassure myself of, of that fact as well because, yeah, you maybe that's the other side of sometimes that commitment as well, and then you go uh, like. I really want to be impeccable with hitting everything, but then you lose that ability sometimes to just go, Oh, actually that little voice in my head actually says that I'm really tired and maybe I should just rest. Mm. Yeah, definitely has its place. Mm. But on the same, on the other flip side of that, sometimes if you've got to squash that voice and say, stop being a little bitch and just get it done. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess that's, you know, the funny side of intu- intuition as well, right? Sometimes you got to listen to it and sometimes you got to talk back at it. But um, yeah, at the moment, like, what does your personal practice look like at, um, at the moment? You know, what's a goal or something that you're working on now? Ooh, um, <clears throat> at the moment, I'm still working on my hand balancing you know, chasing that one arm handstand as well as the one arm chin up. So mm. that's been a on and off four year journey for me. So I'm, uh, I'm really hammering home on those two at the moment. They're my main focus is, is my hand balancing practice and my one arm chin up. Mm. Hopefully by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you've just really picked out those, those two, right? Like, like you said before, like you, you can have, really a lot of goals and then sometimes get really distracted. But I think it's when you really apply that focus that that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And like for me too, knowing what my body is capable of from having gone through all, all these um, different methods and stuff, I know it's up for the challenge and it can handle that type of workload. So mm. yeah, I'm currently it's like four ba- four hand balancing sessions a week and just two uh, one arm chin up sessions a week. Mm. That, and that's enough for this body. <laughs> it can handle that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I like it. It's just, it's just simple, right? It's like, you know, through these processes, you've, you've understood yourself, you know that, Hey, that if you can do that, you can make good progress. And it's just like, it's got to be consistent. Yeah. Got to keep chipping away at it day in and day out. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess as you head off into the future as well, maybe with, you know, the stuff that you're teaching, um, what you're doing with yourself, like how do you see that developing um, over the future? Um, yeah, so 
Like I'm still nowhere near where I want to be, but you know, I'm I'm still chasing all the the cool stuff that you see on the ground, like being able to do the cool locomotion. Mm. That, those are all definitely aspects that I'm looking forward to getting into. Uh, but at the moment, I want to get. You know, I, I feel there's people out there that like they understand it enough or a bit of a skill set to explain it, but they don't fully own the movement. They can't just do it on cue. So I'm trying to get extremely good in these areas first before I move on to the next thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as far as sort of what I'm about and what I'm wanting to teach is definitely being able to empower, you know, anyone to start this journey of sort of health and self-improvement in a holistic frame where they start building those habits upgrade that identity, chip away at it day in and day out. And before they know it, they're a completely different person. Mm. Well, I guess, you know, like you said, direct experience is the most powerful learning tool. And then with like what you've covered recently, you know, that's what you can also really explain to clients, right? Like you've walked the walk, you've, you've done these sort of things, you know, the change that this can do and that's what you can share with them. Yeah. Definitely, um, like I, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have gotten to this stage without having gone through that. So it's been able to help identify f- for me what's been important and had a profound effect on my life already mm. to want to, you know, dive deeper into it and be able to give this gift to other people. So mm. it's definitely something I'm very looking forward to uh, teaching on a much deeper level. Awesome. Um, Nathan, I'm just mindful of, of your time as well. Um, so I guess for all the listeners out there as well, like if they had any questions and wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to get into contact? Uh, you can either find me in Fitness First in Bond Street when it opens up again. <laughs> you must be looking um, forward to that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice. Or I'm over at um, Anatomy in Motion with uh, Vic Hawksley. Big shout out, mate. And uh, just online through uh, Instagram. So just my initials, NML underscore fitness. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, you can find me there. Awesome, Nathan. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It was a pleasure having you on this episode. And no. yeah, I'll end the podcast right here. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, mate. Appreciate it. That's it. Episode 11, done and dusted. Thanks to Nathan once again for joining me on that episode. And thanks to you guys for sticking around, listening once again. Remember, if you like this podcast, please share it, you know, post it up on the Instagram or share it with a friend, send them a link. Really helps me get the word out there. And I'd love to hear from you guys as well. Who do you want on? What sort of questions are you seeking answers for as well? Feel free to send me a message. You can reach me on Instagram at Fayon P, that's at P-H-A-O-N-P. And once again, just want to thank you guys for your continued support. So we'll be back once again with more exciting new guests as well. And I look forward to sharing that with you. Thanks, guys.